0: okay welcome everybody back to the downtown den for a session with uh, not one not two but three local enterprise partnership chairs this morning delighted for our 100th webinar session since lockdown yes a century of video recordings we are celebrating today and we couldn't have chosen a more eminent panel uh, to help us do so with roger marsh who is the chair of the Leeds City Region Local Enterprise Partnership, but also chairs uh, the Strategic MP11, which you will tell us a little about in a second. We have Claire Haywood, and Claire is the chair of the Cheshire and Warrington LEP, and Steve Fogg, who is chair of the Lancashire LEP. Good morning to you all.
1: Good morning. Good morning.
0: It's great to see you, and thanks for, for joining us. At the, what is... I think a bit of a crossroads for the economy now. We've had the summer statement last week from Chancellor Rishi Sunak. Uh, We're starting to see, I think, a change, a movement in the dial, Roger, as far as the messaging is concerned. So uh, the Prime Minister certainly is talking about go back to the office if you can, rather than work from home if you can. Uh, And I'm anticipating that as we lead up to September and fingers toes and everything else crossed we get the schools to return we're going to hopefully see a bit of a a more normality into our lives but listen, local enterprise partnerships are going to have a huge role to play in respect of implementing some of these plans that the government are wanting to deliver in the coming months and years. So what's your take on where the economy is at the moment and what would you hope to see happen uh, through the rest of the summer?
2: Thank you, Frank, and good morning, everybody. And it's great to be joined by my colleagues, Claire and uh, Steve, as part of the wider NP11 group. I guess we've got to, to, I suppose, strike a balance of optimism with realism. and we need to just remind ourselves just how far the economy has unfortunately has fallen and in broad terms as we speak it's probably no bigger than it was in 2010 but with all of the interventions most recent of which national debt has probably about doubled uh, in the in in the same period so that's quite a big challenge um and we also need to make sure that we try and do things that are are realistic and also uh, planned and and importantly focused and I think and you'll hear from my other Colleagues that whilst in an ideal world nobody wants to see business failures Nobody wants to see an increase in unemployment uh, at Whatever age or stage people are in life uh, Sadly, that's not reality We have to then deal with reality and have the interventions that will minimize the impacts not just um, flatten it down, but actually minimise the impacts, but also create new opportunities for people. And I characterise in terms of when I think about Leeds City Region in particular, and others will speak about their own geographies, around recovery, having kind of three components. Rescuing what we've got today, using the opportunity to reimagine the future, and the, the opportunities for those who may find themselves out of work, but perhaps have had a good idea and never really given themselves a chance to see whether it could be something that could be, in a few years' time, a global a global leading business. And the third piece, so that's the reimagining piece, and the third piece, I think, is how do we try and put some resilience into this, and assuming things like this are going to come around the corner again? Hopefully not too soon, uh, and I think it's important that we do so. I think, I think whilst we're all, and you'll hear us say from Steve and Claire shortly, looking at our geographies from a bottom up, At what can we do locally? We as np 11 are trying to look top down and say, okay, what are the things we could do at a northern level where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts? And I think in res- with great respect to policy and people right at the heart of government, I'm not sure that I've seen much narrative of what a successful economy could look like in 2025, say five years from now. And what were those stages nationally of rescue, reimagine, and, and, and resilience? Maybe we'll begin to see that um, as we, cr- we grapple with the rescue and the re-emergence from economic hibernation um, when we get to the autumn state. And I hope me and my colleagues, together with the mayors and the other local authority people in that true private-public sector partnership will shape that northern agenda, for national benefit. Uh, and certainly we're up for it. Uh, politics don't play a part in here. This is the equilateral triangle of economic, social, uh, and environmental, environmental considerations that we need to make sure we get right and don't necessarily have it lopsided or something missing. Perhaps that's a helpful segue to the detail my other colleagues might want to fill in, Frank.
0: Thanks, Roger. uh, Some great points that you've made there. And I particularly wanted to pick up with you, Claire, on the observation Roger's made about the government perhaps not mapping out a future for our economy. And I suppose in defence of of Rishi Subak, he's trying to protect what he can at the moment, isn't he? I think he's he's prioritised protecting jobs, protecting businesses where he can, things like the furlough scheme, the loan schemes that he's introduced for business and so on. Um, But as Roger has rightly said there, we do need to start to turn our attention, I think, sooner rather than later, to the what next question. Uh, And so what are the sort of thoughts that you're having at the moment, Claire, given what we've experienced over the last few months, what your expectations are uh, for the remainder of 2020?
3: Yeah, I think Roger um, flagged some really important points regarding ensuring that we're taking into consideration both the economic, the social and also making sure that we have the uh, clean sustainability elements taken into consideration as well. Because as you say, at the moment, we're very focused on making sure that we're protecting. And that has been a very important part of ensuring that we're building in resilience. However, many are also concerned that we may be masking what's happening within the economy at the moment, certainly as we come to the end of furlough, that we may start to see that those businesses that haven't been able to, be, to reimagine or be as resilient um, are going to disappear. However, I think what we're also going to see is those organisations that have taken this as an opportunity. There are those that have recognized the importance of accelerating that digitization across their businesses or the need to rethink their working practices or the opportunity to rethink how they are currently managing their supply chain or rethink how they are working with their global teams, rethink, and and actually that rethinking and reimagining um, is actually a really critical part of us making sure that what we build is a future vision for not only the UK, but the North and also our individual regions. And one of the critical things I think we need to be focused on is that combination of making sure that we've understood our region and our locality so that we know we can build on our assets, whilst also being very confident and thinking about what is it that we can bring as the UK in this global market. Because I'm sure that everybody has on their mind, not only the output of COVID, but we've also got Brexit coming around the corner in a few months' time. And for a number of the organisations we're talking to, it's a combination of those two things that we really need to be focusing on going forward. So we need a confident vision for both the UK and for the North to make sure that we step up to that, build on our assets and make sure that we are reimagining our future, but in a very confident and reassuring fashion so business can get back to business.
0: Thanks, Claire. Uh, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, it's always great to see somebody from sunny Lancashire on the call, <laughs> uh, my old haunting ground, of course. Kate, uh, can, can I, I just um, say, Steve, I want to try and keep the conversation as positive as, as we can this morning. We see enough. Uh, gloom and doom around and i'll turn my attention later to some of the reports in the media this morning which i think are outrageous in terms of talk about trying to get people to uh, to just go back to bed and put their head under the covers but as i say maybe we'll talk about that a bit later on but steve you know it would be remiss if i wasn't to mention the fact that lancashire has had some big knocks over the last couple of weeks with announcements uh, around the aerospace industry which of course is hugely important to the county. Uh, and then, of, as with Leeds and Cheshire as well, of course, the hospitality sector, the visitor economy is such an important pillar uh, of what we do in the county. So uh, what's the Lancashire Leps feeling at the moment? Uh, are we taking any measures to address and tackle those uh, clear and present dangers, really, that, that have been presented to us?
1: Yeah, thank you, Frank. Um, Yes, we are. Um, both, as you say, have been a big impact in Lancashire, and um, and I can't stress enough, if you look at tourism, hospitality, and the aerospace sector, they're, they're also a heritage of Lancashire, going back many, many, many years, and therefore, they're a big bedrock of the economy. Um, tourism, um, what have we done there? Well, prior to COVID, of course, we'd set up a new strategy for Lancashire, which was made up of core sector pillars where we would drive growth and drive the future from and tourism is clearly and hospitality was one of those and uh, manufacturing and specifically a subsector which is probably the largest the aerospace sector was also one of those so luckily we had started to pull solid business people together to start to imagine the future as Claire describes it so we, we already had a, a good footprint of people there. When COVID hit, of course, it decimated tourism, mm-hmm. shut the doors basically. And as you know, as well as I do, tourism is built on footfall, And if you can't get football through it, then you don't have it. <clears throat> so um, we brought together a group of businesses uh, led by Kate Shane from Merlin. And what they are doing is currently trying to reimagine all the, all the issues, uh, all the solutions and a future for tourism. <clears throat> I think it's worth recognizing that from a tourism perspective and a hospitality perspective, we're not in reimagining to some extent, we're in survival in some of these businesses mm. and they are fighting for survival. And some of them that have had um, good balance sheets, good business plans, are surviving and being able to get through. Others that, you know, Frankly, they're small businesses relatively. If they're just invested in that business, they don't have a strong balance sheet because they've looked at recovery going forwards and they've been really, really badly impacted. And we've seen some big businesses close in Lancashire. So that's our approach there, Frank. In the aerospace sector, which frankly has been hit from Rolls Royce, Saffron, cells, Airbus have just announced the whole set of uh, redundancies. You know, this could be massive for, for Lancashire. But the really good thing is I've managed to pull together a small task force for Lancashire, which is made up of, again, the big businesses across Lancashire and the supply chain. So we've got the likes of BAE there. We've got Sapphire on the Cell in it. <coughs> and we've got Rolls-Royce in it. And we've got the supply chain that works across Lancashire that, frankly, will be the most impacted by it. And I think uh-huh. we forget sometimes that the big announcements that come in, say, from Rolls-Royce, they wash through a supply chain across Lancashire, and we, we we don't talk about that enough, frankly. So, what are we doing there? We've got um, two groups going at the minute. We've got a um, a business group going, which is starting to understand the real asks that we need of government. So, you know, things like reinvesting in defence, bringing defence programmes forward, reinvesting in engineering and science more broadly, such that we can transfer the skills to other businesses, has <coughs> been a, 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 real, a real ask for us. Um, mm-hmm. Putting matching solutions in for young people. So how do we make sure that young people don't become the biggest impact here? So apprenticeships lost, graduate programs lost. So how do we actually bring those together and try and move work across other businesses to sweep people off who might be impacted? because of this and I know BAE my old business frankly have already contacted me and said Steve if we can help in any way if we can reach out to businesses we're really keen to do that and they're not on their own you know other big businesses are doing the same thing so I'm really pleased at that. The, the other group around the aerospace sector I was, I was pleased to join a cross-party MPs group Um, with the trade unions to start to look at, well, you know, what can we do from an aerospace point of view and what are the indicators? And I had the opportunity to present to them some of the impacts that we're seeing across Lancashire. And if we don't do something shortly, there is a very positive intervention that's not just tactical, which is what we've seen to date, that is actually strategic, Mm. sustainable and can maintain the engineering and science and technology sectors uh, for the right purpose. Uh, we've started some of those dialogues. And, you know, I, so you can imagine, we fear this greatly in Lancashire because the aerospace sector and hospitality is our heritage, if nothing else. I mean, let's, uh, how many people went to Blackpool, you, you know, in their, in, their, in their childhood? But we've got to do something, and it can't just be tactical, Frank, so that's what we're trying to work on.
3: Yeah.
1: I
0: think that's a a key point, Steve, and a good one as well, in terms of uh, the government acting in a tactical fashion at this moment in time. I think a point that you were making, Roger, we need a bit more strategy moving Uh
3: forward.
0: And the Uh other thing that struck me when Rishi Sunak made his announcement last week was some really good stuff in there, but the question I kept coming back to was, who's going to deliver? Where is the delivery process and mechanism? And this, uh, sorry to put this on you guys, uh, but this is where local enterprise partnerships, in my view, are going to earn the core because you do have direct line into government. You've got relationships with local authorities, combined authorities where they exist. And this is where I think we've got to start getting into the detail of, okay, all this money is out there. How do we begin to deliver? Uh, And again, Roger, if I can come to you Are those engagements happening now? Because business are going to be looking to local enterprise partnerships and saying, okay, how do we engage with these new initiatives that have been established? How do we take apprenticeships on? How do we access the cash to employ young people? And if you guys aren't being supported in offering that guidance and advice, I'm not quite sure where we're going to go. Well,
2: I think, people listening into this should be reassured that we, we not only are up for that challenge going forward, we have a long history of, what, of what's happened since, you know, since our LEPs were created back in 2010-11 of delivery. And if I just personalise it for Leeds City Region, if I look at our growth service over the last five years, it's deployed about 100 million of taxpayers' money and about four times that amount of the private sector. So half a billion invested in SMEs pre-COVID. Um, so, so there is a history of delivery. I think the important point which Steve makes and Claire makes is that actually what we've done is not that we are ready to earn our spurs. We've earned our spurs many times over, a number of us. And we've shown that we actually are our collaborators and coordinators and bring together something that's cohesive that's economically, uh, socially and environmentally uh, appropriate. As I mentioned in my earlier remarks about that equilateral triangle, just to give a picture. I think what COVID has exposed amongst other things is some of the weaknesses uh, and, and, and fractures in our economic footprint nationally, as well as in the North. But also, and I would say this, uh, the challenge is not just about what, how we do, as local enterprise partnerships is, but actually how does Whitehall sort itself out and work across Whitehall? You know, uh, Steve talks about supply chains in manufacturing. One of my hobby horses, one of the critical supply chains for business is skills and and people and their abilities. Where is the supply chain linked up from four to (laughs) 21 in education? No, it's fragmented into bits and pieces even the devolution that, you know, some of us are close to embarking upon. It's about bits of the education budget you can have control of or while we control all of it. I think in fairness to people locally, we've shown we can deliver, we, we've earned the trust. It's not about establishing trust. The challenge is, can we do it at a an, another a higher level and higher scale? And I am I'm personally confident, certainly, with my 10 colleagues at Makeup, and myself at Makeup at MB11, we are confident, but well, the one thing we're not is complacent about the size and scale of the challenge. And we are putting into government individually, and I'm trying to make sure they see the, na- the prize uh, for the nation, a series of offers. It's not just a shopping list of asks, but what, what, what will you get for that money, Mr. Tax- Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer? What, what, what will we do where actually putting a pound with us is better spent than putting a pound somewhere else, recognising the scarcity of it? If I may take a few moments, at the northern level, we see the whole innovation space as, a, as an opportunity for genuine, genuine levelling up. Um, give people with ideas the opportunity to test whether they might be business propositions, whether they could be scaled to globally significant businesses. Secondly, with, a, uh, the, with an eye on Brexit, the North is undeveloped when it comes to exports, inward investment. We've done a lot in the last five years, but there's more to be done. And We've got to remember when it comes to trade, the North put the great in Great Britain and we'll do it again and we are ready to do it again. Thirdly and importantly, we shouldn't lose sight of our preeminence when it comes to clean technologies and those the environmental solutions. Um, you know, I, I was surprised to learn because I happened to be looking at, you know, some of the, 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 the plans to reduce carbon emissions in my own geography, that when it comes to sustainable aviation fuels, actually the UK is at the front of, of, of the technology. It's the front of the testing. Well, hang on a minute. This is a globally significant opportunity. So it's how do we, on the one hand, Rescue as much as we can, and to Steve's point and Claire's point, not have a tsunami of young men and women and other people, at the other end of the age scale, just with nowhere to go. On the one hand, on the other hand, build back for the future. I hate this build back better because it sounds like what we had was crap, and it wasn't crap, it just had dis- disconnects in it. How do we build back and so that when generations come after us and say, do you know what, that lot did a bloody mm. job? in all the circumstances. And I am very clear, and my, I hope my colleagues from MP11 that are on the call and any listening, very clear, the North is a real critical part of the national solution. And I'm pleased to say my involvement with senior cabinet level uh, ministers on behalf of the 11 of us suggests they agree. So it's up to us to seize the moment, not to squeeze other places out, but to play our part. Um, but once furlough unwinds, the thought of the two out of every 10 people um, in, in the north might not be in employment in the very near future. Not, it doesn't necessarily keep me awake at night, but causes me to worry. And so we need some big interventions. Um, but as I say, and, and I'm sorry to labour the point, uh, but I feel very strongly, and I'm particularly as vice chair of the LEP network nationally, this isn't about LEPs demonstrating what we could do. We've done that in spades. In spades, have we deployed public money, billions of it, and delivered jobs, delivered growth, delivered green solutions? The challenge is, um, can we do it at a further level of scale? The answer is yes, given the resources, and that's people and 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 pounds, but also powers, and that's where devolution comes in, and we need it everywhere. Yesterday, subject, of course, to local local people feeling that's the right way for them. And on that subject, I think it's important that let's play a key part with our local authority partners and metro mayors in explaining why devolution is a good thing, not just some sort of bureaucratic mechanism, but actually how, me taking it random, how in Huddersfield, the Mr and Mrs Bloggins, it's going to be better for them, their family and their community, rather than some sort of strange uh, ethereal connect. A, a construct because otherwise why would anybody vote for something they can't say actually that's going to be useful for me that's going to be helpful for my kids that might be nice for my grandkids and and i feel somewhat strongly and maybe it's overly evangelical about it frank but i do feel we've got to sell the vision and i think with great respect to uh the, the people uh, at the center i'm not sure they have yet come to a view of what that vision is and that's not a criticism some of us will be help will, are up for helping shape that, not the mechanics of it, not the tail, but about the dog, because the tail should deliver the, the, the outcome rather than just be the mechanic. So so what? I don't want tail wagging dog. We want we want economic, social, and environmental successful dog with with the appropriate uh, uh, infrastructure tail, so to speak.
0: Some some great points again, Roger. And some crucial things that you've talked about there, and I want to come to Claire about two in particular. Uh, one is the ability to collaborate, uh, mm. because you know I'm conscious of the disparate geographies that you guys cover, uh, and therefore you have um, your own skill sets uh, in order to be able to pull people into conversations and those partnerships and collaborations moving forward. Uh, and I'm guessing you know, that's been a challenge in, in Cheshire and Warrington, Clare, but one you've overcome. Perhaps there are lessons that Whitehall can learn uh, from some of this local and regional activity mm-hmm. that taking take in the North. The other point that Roger made though, and I think this is gonna be absolutely essential and crucial moving forward. Innovation, mm. that's where we and i think we are well placed as uh, as a northern economy mm. really start to make a difference uh, again claire i would suggest cheshire and warrington uh, will be looking forward to that channel we've got so much to offer
3: yeah absolutely and so if i can take the uh, first point so um as, as usual roger's uh very clear um which is really helpful and i think um, he's a real advocate for the north which is particularly helpful but one of the key pieces that he highlights is that need to collaborate and in cheshire and warrington we've been talking very focused on that powerful partnership between the public the private and the voluntary sector to make sure that we can deliver you know a healthy sustainable and inclusive better future and it is about creating something which is ahead but that collaboration across the np11 region is is critical and we've been working really hard together to make sure that we've highlighted some of our core areas where we know that the sum will be the greater and that's really important so innovation is one of the elements that you've just you've just mentioned and you know, we can be doing and are doing some very innovative things in Cheshire and Warrington. We've got the opportunity to build on our life science as- assets. We've also been implementing a number of uh, projects around, um, for example, you know, our advanced manufacturing training centre. We're putting in place a digital construction programme. We've actually invested over the last few months at uh, 8.9 million where we're hoping that 50,000 learners should benefit from that. We're also looking at and creating new jobs, which are all around making sure that we are digital and we're innovative. But we can do that at a northern level by building on, making sure we have a, if you like, a picture for what we can deliver across the north and then there will be specific things that we need to be doing in each one of our regions so as steve mentioned earlier you know aerospace and and tourism is critical there actually also very critical in cheshire and warrington how do we therefore make sure that we're connecting in the right places to make sure that we are connected the other key thing i think that um is is important to make sure that we're building on the assets we have here is is transport You know, it is critical that we work together to make sure that we have our transport, both north to south and east to west, to make the most of the assets we have in our region. And that is something, again, that we need to be collaborating on in a northern region, but also taking that down into our regional regions, because we know where some of the, if you like, the nubs or the little hub spots would be, to make sure that we can make that as effective as possible. So collaboration is absolutely crucial at this time and if you look actually across any of the sectors particularly in the life sciences sector and we as we've seen with the covid vaccine for example actually there's a huge amount of collaboration going on Mm. and a lot of people have actually taken their barriers down and you know not holding on to data and information they are sharing and we have become a lot more open and I really hope that we continue, we continue to do that because I think we have a, a massive opportunity. And the North, in terms of the life sciences sector, for example, but also um, aerospace uh, and car manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, has a huge amount to offer in terms of that innovation. But we can also be world-leading in a number of these elements, which I think sometimes we, we don't shout about enough. And we need to be shouting about the elements. So, for example, Jodrell Bank, you know, it's a World Heritage, it's a science World Heritage site, which is incredible. And you know, do we need to be shouting about those assets that we have, have in the north. And just if you don't mind, if I can just pick up, Frank, on something that you said earlier about delivery mm-hmm. and the important role that the LETS play in making sure that we deliver. One of the critical roles that we play, and I build on um, Roger's two Cs, actually, of uh, connections and collaboration, is also we play a catalyst role. And that catalytic role is going to be really important because it's about pace. And I think one of the things that, as the business voice, we can start to do is make sure that we're upping the pace because we can't take too long. We need to make sure that we are grabbing hold of what, we are going to have to see it as an opportunity to innovate and make sure we're ahead. And but it, the time isn't is right. This is right this moment, and we need to be really clear about it. So I would add a I'd add the catalytic role that we play in that as well to make sure that we are delivering on the ground.
0: Some great points again, Claire. I I, I want to go back to to the marketing and messaging, uh, mm. and also uh, the point you've just made about. Pace, and perhaps we we can come back to that a little later in the conversation. But but Steve, just sticking with this uh, idea of collaboration, uh, you and I had a conversation not so long ago. It's been much frustration to, to me and others in Lancashire uh, that that collaboration perhaps hasn't been uh, as as powerful as good as it could have been. Uh, but we appear to be moving in the right direction now. Uh, and as somebody. Uh, once said, you know, never waste the opportunity that good crises bring. If Lancashire uh, and our political leaders, and it usually is the political leaders where we have uh, this sort of difficulty and challenge, they can't see the sense of needing to collaborate now. They're never going to see it. So I think let's take the positive out of the challenge. Uh, But the other thing, again, uh, this uh, opportunity uh, of innovation, uh, lancashire can be at the forefront uh, of some of those discussions can't it
1: yeah uh, you, you're absolutely dead right i think uh, lancashire's got a real opportunity now to come together and collaborate and deliver a, a future is the way i would describe it and um it's not going to be easy frank you were part of that for many many years and you know cultures built into the the county and um, difficult to break out of it that said um, I have seen the sparks of uh, light at the end of the tunnel you know I can see the political leaders at least saying yes combined authority it makes sense Um, a devolution deal yes it makes sense where they will differ will be the structures that sit below it so the political structures and you'll know that better than most people so I think what we've got to do is um, stay optimistic, try and support that process as much as possible, and make sure that they understand what business needs, what business wants, and what that strong business voice is. And I go back to Roger's point on collaboration and Claire's point. You know, that is so important if we're ever going to succeed at anything. No one succeeds on their own in life. You know, you succeed by collaborating with others. And that's, you see, the most successful organisations, they've got that culture at the heart of it. Now, we need that across Lancashire. We need it across the north. And it's great to see at an MP11 point of view, how we can all sit in a room. And I can tell you, we don't always agree. You know, we are very frank conversations chaired well by Roger and you know and 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 but we get to a decision and then when we've got there we go off and do it. And I would say that's the strength of business. That's what businesses do. Now we need that across the whole political environment too where they can come together with a purpose say this is what we're going to do and then go off and make that happen. And you know one other point I would make is uh, I hate the term But it's ringing in my ears greatly. Governments are constantly said, follow the science. So we will listen to the science of health, et cetera, and we'll make our decisions. And I would say, follow the science with business. You, You know, talk to businesses, understand the business strategy that we require, understand the inputs required from government to make the economy grow and recover itself. And that's the science, you know, business and running businesses is technically a science, I would say. And, you know, it's very hard to imagine if you're sat on the ground chasing orders every day, some every hour to stay afloat and grow. If you're in a political world, things don't happen at that pace. So I think Claire's right, connecting the two up. And the only final point I would make is... um, it's very important in business we talk about know when to lead and know when to follow, okay? And it's very important you do that because if you're not the right person to lead through a certain phase, don't do it because it will end in disaster. And I would strongly believe that if you take a look at the economy, economic challenges we face across the North, if you don't bring groups like lets if you don't bring NP11 to the fore, And listen to them, take action from what they say, follow the science, we'll make the wrong decisions, Frank. Now, I'm seeing shoots of this emerging, but what I've learned in the last 12 months is you can often go two steps forward, five steps back. and, And we've got to find a way to you know get to base one, get to base two, get to base three, and not fall back. And that's the approach we've got to take. Now that's normal for business. It's not necessarily normal in the, pub, in the, in the uh, public sector. But, you know, you've got to be optimistic, and you know, hope we can get everybody there. And um, devolution, a combined authority for Lancashire, frankly, I'm not too worried about what the structures are that sit below it because they, they, that, that's just organisation, right? And, and a lot of the time in my business life, if anyone came to me and said the solution is change the organisation, I generally ask them to lead. It, you know, it's about behaviours, it's about culture, it's about inclusion, it's about collaboration, it's about innovation. And you've heard all those three points come out of my colleagues, and I, I, I can't stress the importance of that.
0: And if I can move into the the, the skills of messaging uh, and marketing, two, two points here. Again, Claire made, uh, I think, uh, the, the remark about us not necessarily shouting, loud enough about what the north has to offer. Uh, And Roger, you you said something to me a few weeks ago on the call that we had that I've used uh, lots of occasions since. You said the north needs to start to be seen as part of the solution rather than a problem that needs to be sorted out. Uh, And again, if you look at some of the way in which government have come up with initiatives and, and European Union as well are guilty of this it's almost a race to the bottom isn't it you've got to demonstrate mm. how poor you are you've got to demonstrate how much deprivation you've got in the area and I think it is important to turn that dial uh, and some of the things you were saying earlier in the call absolutely right you know we've got some of the solutions to these big problems we've got to get that message across so you know from a northern powerhouse perspective. Uh, I want to hear your views on that. The other part of this, though, and I want everybody to comment on, is is I'm starting to get sick and bloody tired of waking up every morning to headlines um, that are basically saying to people we're going to hell in a handcart. So the latest one this morning, and I've come off a call with, with Manchester business leaders where I've had a bit of a spat. My accent in that forum doesn't always help, by the way. Uh,
1: <laughs> Well, I don't know how
0: you feel. Yeah, but somebody said, you know, on the call, oh, we're going to have 120,000 deaths going through to, to January. You know, that's the latest report from the scientists. Now, of course, the report doesn't say that. The report says if the government did absolutely nothing and if we've done absolutely nothing up until this point, then potentially there could be 120,000 deaths. Point I'm trying to make here, Roger is I think as businesses now and business leaders, we have a responsibility to start Mm. actually encouraging people to get back to work, get back into offices, get back into our cities. Because uh, i tell you what, if the economy flatlines beyond January, we're going to see an awful lot more health damage through economic crash than the coronavirus could ever have caused if we're not careful. I'll get off my soapbox now, Roger, and let you come in. Sorry. Let let, let me get back on mine, eh? Can can I just, to to deal with your
2: questions, can I just reflect back? I I think the important thing, and this does come into our messaging, first of all, in the land of LEPs, the North, uh, NP11 is almost a third of the whole English landscape in aggregate, in, in, in number terms. We, rec- we also represent a huge piece of the economy as well as the landmass of England. When I think about the aggregate experience of my 10 fellow chairs, uh, uh, and, and I look at that, and I said this to the Secretary of State for Transport, who was obviously the Northern Power's police around the cabinet table, I said, do you realize that you've got probably half a millennia of man and woman years experience across every sector you can imagine globally? Mm-hmm on your doorstep, freely available, ready to go. Uh, And and I would say, Secretary of State, use it, don't abuse it. And and, and he was very clear. He said, I recognise that, and I recognise that you are collaborators. But we also have to remember that it isn't just about meaningful collaboration. We've got to recognise there is also healthy competition, but they should be bedfellows, not either or. And that's, that's the esprit de corps we're trying uh, to develop. And going back to my point about the north being the solution, not the problem, that's within our control because we have described ourselves as them over there or we've lost out or them down south of Admore. That's sterile, that's history. We, we've got to use, um, uh, you've got to use the words in my mind of, of, of George Bernard Shaw when he said, we're not made wise by the recollection of our past but by the responsibility for our future. And when I say our future, I don't mean us on this call or people of my generation, but for generations to come. So I think it is important that we describe the offer we make. And it comes back to the manifesto that we published just before the last general election, which I know seems like a long time ago, but in in weeks and months terms, not so long, where we set out. A compelling narrative which was supported by all the metro mayors by the convention of the north about what the north was up to do and what it was up to do within two decades and it should be no different now it's just a bigger challenge up to do was to become self-sufficient economically not relying on success elsewhere to maintain our underperformance our deprivation and our poverty but actually as the victorians did see economic growth as the as as the driver for social transformation uh, that we we do everything in our power to to uh, eradicate um, fuel poverty deprivation and all the other things by extraordinary that becomes the new ordinary economic success but i think that's where it's the heart of our challenge is that reimagining of the economic success that we want going forward rather than just trying to build build back what we had it's not build back better it's 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 retain what we had but actually and a better build something new and I, I i am the first one to be a pragmatist you know uh, of course You could do the dad's army, we're all doomed, and let's give up. That's 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 not the British spirit. That's not the northern grit. Certainly, if that's what people want, well, I'll go off and maybe do something I've never imagined I would do. I'll reimagine myself as learning how to play golf, which I would probably drive me spare, but I know other people would enjoy it. So I think our message has got through. You know, the, the politicians use the manifesto. They in fairness. We've recently all received allocations from the getting uh, building fund of 900 million pounds. We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that 40% of that total pot that was allocated for England has been allocated to the north. That gives me a bit of a sign and a reason for confidence. And I will be saying to uh, anybody that's in number 11, whenever you're thinking about doling out the money, at least, remember, at least 40% is coming north, uh, at least, not just topped. So just as a, as, as, a, as a rather silly uh, uh, metric, but I think it's important. We also turn, turn it round and say, right, so what are we gonna do? How, as I've said and I've repeated this, how in Cheshire and Warrington, how in Lancashire, how in Leeds City region, in terms of where we've got our economic strengths, my part of the world, health, health, health technologies, health tech, but three parts, devices, uh, 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 innovations, data, Uh, uh, is where where we have strength. So let's build on that. Now, how does that work in Cheshire and Warrington in life sciences? How do we put that together and forget the administrative boundaries? I think the other thing as well is, I'm a great believer that form follows function. And I think we need to come and say, so what is it we want to deliver? And let's make sure the structures are there to enable that, not become strictures to suboptimal Uh, and and deliver suboptimal performance. I don't think we have that luxury anymore uh, because of COVID uh, today. And so I'm keen uh, to, and and people are getting all excited about, they're gonna move bits of government from London to York or here, there, everywhere. Kind of, you know, so bloody what, frankly. Actually, by moving the House of Lords to York, for example, it will mean this, this and this for the economy of the country. That's the prize, not, oh, we've just moved the deck chairs around on the proverbial economic Titanic, because that's kind of not where we are at. And as I said, and I've, and I've now occupied your soapbox, I think, Frank, I've said is that we are ready and we've got the top-down, um, Hall is great in some of the parts and the bottom-up. Uh, and, and I think together with others around the country, um, if you don't use what you've got on offer, then it's a dereliction of duty with great respect to those elected to the highest offices of our land.
0: Thanks, Roger. Claire, can I ask you about where you see our messaging at a national level at the moment and the impact, obviously, this has on our local economies? Am I alone in thinking that we actually need to turn the dial uh, and start to be a bit more optimistic and positive in terms of that messaging?
3: Uh, absolute believer in the power of purpose, and um, and what people really need at this moment in time in everything is clarity you know, clarity of where we are going and what are we going to get behind at a UK level. You know, we've had really you know a lot of mixed messages um i mean even whether you're wearing a face mask or not wearing a face mask this morning um you know in other countries been much much clearer and i think that clarity is something that we need at both a uk level and as we said earlier at a northern and a regional level but that positioning i think is important going back to the point that you made earlier frank around you know are we going to the lowest common denominator Actually, when you look at the businesses that are going to be surviving this period and flourishing through this period, it's about quality to a large degree. And it's going to be those that have demonstrated that resilience and have pivoted, changed, reimagined, whatever the language you want to use, to ensure that they're still focused on delivering something that either the customer needs and wants or doesn't know that they need or want. And I was encouraged, actually, by the education (coughs) sector talking about how we should rethink the way that further education is working. And um, what we've done in Cheshire and Warrington is we've created something called Accelerate. And that is very much about taking the employer's view of what are the jobs gonna look like in the future. So we can have a confident, confident picture of the future. What is it that we're going to need to be focusing on? Now, we need to make sure that we're enhancing our capability and knowledge around our digital, uh, you know, understanding what does what does that actually mean and how does that translate into my work environment? So, accelerate is something which I'm really very really, very positive about that we can deliver it in cheshire and warrington there's no reason why we can't do that uh, at northern level as well which is employer-led skills development which is all about the, the future and the future focused approach so that we don't do that going to the lowest common denominator in the uk we have to step up and we need to be confident to make sure that we are skilling up our talents we are going to have we can to have um 133,000 jobs for example in life sciences in the uk over the next few years have we geared up our education system to make sure that we can deliver that talent within the uk or are we going to go beyond our shores are we going to bring talent in you know, how clear are we on our approach to that and i think it's really critical that we build a very positive message But we have absolute clarity about where we're going, followed by then translating some of that, going back to the point you just made, you're going to have 120,000 deaths. Something that we have to keep on doing as business people is translating and making sure we've understood data. And how are we translating that? What does it actually mean? And therefore, what are we going to do about it? And I think sometimes we just see the headlines. And I think in some ways, our media could help us actually build a more positive future for the UK and that's something we need to be thinking about and the other piece is then we need to empathise you know we need to empathise with those businesses and understand the situation they're in and how can we enable them to be in a better place whether it is about collaboration whether it's about innovation whether <laughs> it's funding, whether it is actually about skills and for some it's going to be about making sure that they can step forward with the right talented skills people in place so yeah, I think we need more clarity and um, and that
0: would be a key message for me. I think the point that you make about education and training it is, is totally right as well. And listen, uh, I've been talking about getting that particular issue solved for, for 30 years now. Uh, and, you know, if we're not going to solve it now, we never will, because it really does need to be uh, genuine partnerships between uh, private sector, uh, and those educational institutions
1: absolutely I would
0: actually go further, Claire, and suggest that actually private sector need to be get more involved in, yeah. in those training. Um,
2: and
3: and actually Frank, if you don't mind if I come back in on that, because actually within Chesham Warrington we've created something called the Pledge and that is about the the private sector and businesses taking a lead and, and engaging. And that has worked exceptionally well and I'm um, and, you know, thrilled with how much engagement we've had. So we ran a virtual careers festival a few weeks ago and you know, we had 70 employers, 200,000 children and young people engaged. Amazing numbers, incredible. So you know there is the desire and everybody recognises the need to step up. And, um, and I think we can all step up into, into that place, but we have to enable that. We have to support businesses to do that.
0: Thanks, Claire. Uh, Steve I'm conscious that we're running out of time and we've got a couple of questions from panelists who are watching this uh, this session today Um, I'll ask Roger to address Mm. Stephen Young from Lancashire County Council's point uh, about the future of LEPs which is in the chat room there Um, but but Steve Richard Shaw is asking, what does a realistic measure of success look like in six months? uh, And then in two years, how can businesses in the region support this journey? I suppose, you know, it was a point I made earlier, wasn't it? We're doing things at the moment that feel very immediate, short term. What are the sort of step changes you think we're going to need to make if we're going to see in two years' time an economy returning to some sort of robust health?
1: Yeah it's a great question actually I think a lot of the time uh, we live in the world of tactical input and what we really need is a vision you know we need a vision for the north we need a vision for the counties and the local areas and that can be slightly different but all moving in the same direction and I think Um, What's really important to me is that we can come together and create that vision. Um, I I, I used to uh, lead some sessions called Imagine and, you know, you'd start off with trying to imagine what what could it be like in two or three or five years' time and can we just draw that picture and having that then, okay, if that's what we believe is great, if that's what we want, what's the route map now to that, however difficult and challenging that may be. Um, so for me success in six months time is that we are are, are, well bottom line is we've got a vaccine we've got treatments that can help us solve this problem we've started to reimagine new norms and kept the ones that are really important to make a difference and drop the ones that are restrictive or prohibitive to success Um, I think also we've got to I mean both my colleagues here have talked about young people. It, we, we've got to remember that they are the future really. And I think the more we engage with young people on what they need, mm-hmm. what their futures could be, and helping the deprived areas, uh, some of our deprived populations, imagine a new outcome for themselves. It doesn't have to be what their parents or grandparents did. It can be different and, and therefore create ambition and purpose. But the education links very strongly back into business such that we can see the skills being developed are what we need for business to be successful and, I, and I, I would love us to see that within the next 12 months time that we've created a systems approach to how we operate in these areas so that we know that if we pull this lever it's not remote it's not in a different room and we're just doing stuff in that world we're we're pulling this lever and it has this ultimate outcome at the end of the day and i think that's the approach we've got to take frank if we just take this in independent departmental unconnected strategies and approaches we will fail so the bit i like about the mp11 and the way we can collaborate is that we start to think in that way now you know i I, the, the. the, the conversations we're having are actually quite refreshing, and you know, I, you know, I'd encourage Roger maybe occasionally to invite someone in to just come and watch, you know, and take part—not uh, part of MP11, you know, just just come and invite people to come and see it. Invite young people to come and sit in the room. That's what we're going we're trying to do in Lancashire. I I, I just think getting to—we will get through this. We will get over it. Let's put some positive things in place. But we need a vision, Frank, and we need a vision that everybody can buy into and everybody can look at it and go, do you know what, that fits me and I've got a role to play.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As it happens on these occasions, just as we're coming to the end of the session, people start typing the questions in. We don't come to you, I do apologise, but I think some of the points... Uh, that being made in the chat room of being covered by our speakers this morning anyway. But I do want to turn to this point that Stephen Young uh, from Lancaster County Council has made. Uh, Roger, with the government looking to increase the number of combined authorities as part of their autumn white paper, in addition to plans for regional growth bodies and the place marketing responsibility already with local authorities, uh, what do you think uh, this crowded landscape means for the future of LEPs? Uh, and I do think that's an important point because I know, Roger, the one thing that you're about, having got to know you for over a number of years now, is action. And you want to be at the centre of these things. You want to be really involved in the delivery. So future of left as combined authorities uh, and these other plans start to emerge. Um,
2: a really good question. So thank you, Stephen, for it. Uh, and I'll speak, I guess, from my own experience of being part of a combined authority, but not yet a mayoral one. Hopefully that's any time soon in the spring of next year. But um, And also somebody who's now in his eighth year as the chair of Lee City Region LEP. I'm uh, third year as chair of NP11, so I guess I've got some experience to draw upon. But actually, what's clear to me, and it's back to Steve and Claire's point and my own point about when there's a common vision of the future, economically, socially, environmentally, um, you get the best of the private sector, you get the best of the public sector. But separately, each can do things well, but together we can do things that look extraordinary, that become a new high-level ordinary. And I think this is where LEPs have proven their worth on relatively modest operational resources to deploy significant amounts of public sector uh, funding. If I think of my own geography, over I set a vision back in 2014. I call it my one plus four equals ten vision, where a pound from the taxpayer, four from the private sector, invested in the right things, you get double your money in terms of economic uplift. The actual leverage over a range of projects is more likely one plus eight equals something bigger, and that's the sort of mindset that we bring in partnership if i think about my own journey as a member of a combined authority so i'm not a politician i'm not an officer but i sit as a peer with those elected to deliver on the economic and social transformation as somebody that's the deputy chair of the investment committee the business voice to these investments is is in the mix to say is that the right thing are we are we really future proofing fe by doing that project today will it will it be just as good ten or more. So I think there's a place for LEPs, what I, and I think when it comes to pan-regional bodies, working with those elected either at Metro Mayor level or local authority level, LEPs and NP-11 for the North in particular should be part of that geography. We should be part of that, uh, that structure uh, to make sure that all of the economy has a view, a common view of the future, and we get on there and deliver it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a great one for my quotes. And, you know, I, I think of great men in the, that have, have influenced my thinking. One I, I never met, I wish I had, Abraham Lincoln said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And that's what we're about. And the man I did meet a lot and influenced me massively growing up in the Northeast was my late dad, who always said, Roger, always remember, if you don't know where you're going, you have no right to be disappointed where you end up. And I think it's clear, we as NP11 know where we want to go with the North, working with the mayors, working with everybody else across the sectors. And I invite others, perhaps more powerful than any of us would ever hope to be, to perhaps adopt something of where do we want the UK to be in 2030? Where do we want it to be in 2040? And put in place the milestones to get us there Uh, And and, and again, without sounding like a struck record, I believe, and I look to my colleagues on on the screens, I believe NP11 has a fundamental and pivotal role to play in this because of the convening and collaborating and non-political approach we take to economic, social and environmental transformation.
0: Roger, on that note, I will end what has been a fascinating session. Thank you very much for your contributions. It's been a a fitting 100th Zoom webinar for for Downtown in Business. Happy 100.
3: Yeah, happy (laughs) 100. You're looking good on it, Frank.
0: You're looking good. I have to say, I'm hoping that it's going to take us a lot longer to get to 200 because Uh, i'm delighted that in august we're we're going to start to host some live events again Uh, that can't come soon enough Um, they will be very safe to attend it will be invite only events but uh, for those who are watching please look out for the details we've got a couple of uh, great events to look forward to in august live events we'll be continuing to do some of these zoom chats as well Uh, and uh, as i say listen steve claire Roger, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your thoughts this morning. Hopefully, we'll see you at a live event very soon. Thanks, guys.
3: Thanks very much. Well, thank, Frank, if I
0: could say thank
2: you to my colleagues too for joining me. Cheers, well, Roger. You. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Bye
2: bye. Bye now.